Hi, everyone. Welcome to Type Talks. Today, we have our five lovely ENFPs. Uh, Nate, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Nate. You probably know me from, well, from the I Just Can't Even With Myself podcast, as well as the now season three on YouTube show, where we just talk about whatever. So that's happening. And I'm an ENFP. Nice to meet you guys. I'm nice at first. <gasps> <laughs> I just break a challenge. Just throw it in there. <laughs> Leave everyone on the edge. So real. Cool. And Heidi, would you like to give a few words about yourself? Sure. Um, I'm Heidi. You might know me from I don't I don't know why you guys came here. So you might know me from Twitter if you're a fan of Joyce's. Um, I wrote the NFP Survival Guide, which is where some people know me from. Um, but yeah, I'm also an ENFP, hanging out in Canada right now, like Nate. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I hate hey, Canadians. I hate them. I, I just feel like, I don't know if you guys relate, but I'm like, I can't condense it into two sentences. Yeah. That's why we add a little tidbit there. Use S E. For sure. Yes. Cool, cool. Um, and you, Heidi also has an ENFP Soul Bootcamp, um, and it's really awesome. I, I like. I expect anything that Heidi to make. Heidi makes is awesome. So that's also something that she has. <laughs> um, this is the only non ENFP signed up for it, which I personally think is going to be hilarious and a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a lot of I'm intrigued. It's going to be a lot of for you, but you don't have to like rein everyone in. I have to do it, so. <laughs> It'll be check your, interesting. Everyone, check your experiment. pulse. Make sure we're all all right. <laughs> yeah, what is reality? It's nothing. <laughs> For any, reality is meant to be bypassed. I mean, we'll have an hour, Nate. Don't go there. <laughs> we'll get, yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> It'll work out. Awesome. Um, and Aisha, uh, would you like to tell us a bit about your beautiful soul? <laughs> uh -huh. So I'm Aish. I learned about personality. I read Heidi's book in um, February of 2019. And I've just been kind of doing independent study because I'm a branch manager at a bank. <laughs> I read like the worst possible career three in FP. I was like, oh, I'm on that one. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. So I just love. Yeah, and Joyce is the best. He's like, branch well, manager. I read never all the best. <laughs> I have a I have an eleven year old little girl and she told me I'm not allowed to dab anymore. So oh. <laughs> it was like my <laughs> look for ENFPs, rules are meant to be broken, okay? <laughs> you can dab whenever you want. <laughs> and Crystal, would you like to say a bit about yourself? <laughs> yeah. Um hi, I'm Crystal. You guys might know me from some of Megan Lavota's videos. Um we have a podcast together called Synchronic Saturdays where we talk about the functions. Um, yeah, for on the Instagram, and I'm a tarot reader and a spiritual consultant. So, yeah, if you want anything, woo, talk to me. <laughs> very, very cool. And Caitlin, <laughs> would you like to tell us a bit about your your and your ENFP next? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty big. ENFP is pretty big. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so I yeah. Uh, and I my I first learned about it from my dad, who's an INFP. He brought the 
um, one of the books home when I was like 13 and I just have been obsessed with it since. And then a few years ago, I finally uh, did the certification. So I'm an MBTI certified practitioner and then also a Gallup certified strengths coach. So I work with strengths finder, clipping strengths. As well. <laughs> Fantastic. I'm also MBTI certified too. And my name is Joyce. And we're here with five ENFPs. It'll be interesting to see how this goes. First, (laughs) five ENFPs. (laughs) Confirmed ENFPs. We're not all secretly ENFJs who have typed as an ENFP because they like (laughs) are sometimes. For real though. There's darkness out there about that. I'm like. (laughs) <laughs> I'm like fake ENFPs, get out! <laughs> By the way, Aish, energy. <laughs> very true. By the way, Aish, you have the most decorative background and just decoration everywhere ever. Um, and I was wondering, so my first question for you guys is, what weird items and trinkets do you own? That's the first question. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> what do I have in here? Hold on, let. I went to a store yesterday and I got something important. I'll turn it on. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Wait, is that hey, a like any in the back? It's like it's like... an Easter egg oh, tree. That... Is that the one? It's it. This one. is it. Oh dang. That's fascinating. <laughs> I was looking for some mood lighting when you think of it. Like, it's it's oh wait. Whoa! There we go. Your house is like a lights festival, Aisha. Yeah, yeah. I like yeah, lights. So, yeah, it's been a long quarantine, Joyce. <laughs> <laughs> it's this simulate like something happening. Oh man! Yeah, a lot yeah. of lights just coming on, right? And light. so cool. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And so by trinkets, I mean like anything ec- eccentric and unconventional that you own that like the average person wouldn't have. So for example, like Heidi Parib and her black lipstick today. So I'm wearing this because I was filming a YouTube video about extroverted intuition right before this and how it like wears weird shit. So my answer to this question is related. Um, I bought a wedding dress off Amazon this week for $50 because I wanted to film uh, a skit about UFPs where like about how when we fall in love, there's like half wait, of- oh, wait, only it's only $50? Wedding, go to Amazon. We love a bargain. <laughs> and it's actually pretty legit. And people in the comments were like, wow, I never thought I'd be able to afford a beautiful wedding day. And I like felt a little bad for buying it after I read all the comments. <laughs> But it's pretty nice. So I own like a full wedding dress oh right now. It's just sitting upstairs. So the price is what gave it away. Like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Don't go to wedding stores. They're a scam. Go to Amazon. No. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I know. Oh, $300 for yes to the dress. Hell no. That's it. So true. My ENFP best friend, like she knows, like she has all these clothing pieces that are so much cheaper than you'd expect them to be, but they're so beautiful. Um, and on the converse, sometimes she buys things that are way too expensive too. So there are some like really bougie like clothing items she buys, and she once bought um, a stick that you could brush your teeth with because it was like cool. Um, and it was like, and she has a cheese fondue machine, and she's also bought uh, bald caps uh, for some reason. I have a cheese fondue machine. You should get yeah. one. I have every kitchen appliance that has ever been made. <laughs> you kind of should. There are a lot of. Fun. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, I yeah. scanned everything up. Cool. I mean, I have a pocket watch collection, but I don't, I kind of stopped on that. So I've just been more so hoarding on, what am I hoarding on? I was, okay, I found out as a young age, I was in danger of being a really bad hoarder. Like I would keep everything because everything had memories. So I decided to keep movie stubs instead, like movie tickets, because we used to go out and watch theaters with my friends. So all my memories are now locked in these little papers that I keep in a little box. And that's where all of it is. So it's like Nate minimalist now, himself. Whether or not I open it to feel those feelings is a different story. But I keep them locked up. I know my feelings are somewhere there. <laughs> They're working it out. <laughs> but yeah, that's about it. I kind of kept it a little bit small because I'm trying to get rid of a lot of things. I feel like the S I know what thing. I have. I have my <laughs> hand up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the Christmas tree. I love that. That's no. That was just my random purchase last night. Nate was talking about being in danger of being a hoarder, and I yes. was thinking, yeah, I kind of felt <laughs> indirectly roast you. <laughs> but I like, I haven't hung these at my new place yet, but Ooh. I have these shadow boxes. Then you can put little shit inside. <gasps> that is so rad. Oh, that's not a bad Wait, thing, though. What's an example? Wait, what's an example of shit you put in there? Of teeny tiny things like this. Like this man. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. Or you can, but you can find little stuff at like any store or any yard sale. Every old person has like a shoebox full of little stuff, and you're like, "Ma'am, can I have this Civil War pig that's out of a bullet?" And she's like, "Yeah, do you want that, hun?" <laughs> I love that the explanation for that was like, "I need this box, this useless box, to keep all my other useless items." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't want to be in anyone's way. I'll hang it on the wall. Like, I'll just be on the wall. <laughs> Perfect explanation. Yeah. Oh my gosh. When Nate was sharing about his box, uh, it made me think about, like, how the objects that ENFPs keep, they're kind of like diaries if you figure out the reason why they keep them. So you get to this, like, personal part of them. My ENFP has, like, stuffed animals from her friend giving them to her, and she just doesn't have the heart to throw them out. So they're in her room. Oh, I have that too. I do. I have. Do you guys remember the Beanie Babies when it was a, a big thing? That was thing. So my mom used to Did collect pair, a lot of them. You paired them all off. Oh, mine was. Like, I used to play God with them. So they were they're they're giving they're living through their marital problems and their sibling rivalries. And I went through so many F seasons with my little toys that I had to keep them. I couldn't throw them out. Not after there's an unfinished business. Like, <laughs> there's like a liger there that's going through marital issues with his half cat. Like it needs to happen. Like they need to work it out. And I need to be there to watch that happen. So we're going to keep them for until later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So for me, um, I was really obsessed with the show Sailor Moon um, when I was a kid. And like to this day, I have either shit from back then, like like little just like trinkets or even the DVD collection. But also as a 25 year old adult, I still like literally go on eBay, like not Etsy, but eBay to go and find like the original like 90s, like figurines or like whatever I can get my hands on. I just say it's like my paraphernalia. I just like have like a freaking like little shelf of it. Um, yeah, I'm too embarrassed to like show it, but like basically, I have a feeling someone, I think Megan sent me a picture. She's like, what is this? And she like showed pink everywhere. And I'm going, 
<laughs> yeah, and, and the card capture Sakura, like my phone case is like literally from go. like 90s anime, and I'm just like, there is no shame, absolutely. Uh, so that's something of, of like mine. Like I actually don't keep that much stuff from like my past, except for like if it's like directly related to this show that like influenced me and like made me feel like I too can save the world, even though I have to go to school <laughs> too or something. So yeah, like. That was like that's like my significant thing. I don't really have anything else that's super court. That's not true. But like anything else like stands out in terms of stuff I've kept. So yeah, I love that phone case. You're living it. Great job, Crystal. <laughs> and so, Caitlin, do you have like your weird like? I guess what I'm trying to say is like it doesn't have to be an object. I guess, but what ways do you feel unconventional from other people? Is my question. Oh, <laughs> I had my other answer prep. So I was going to say about the trinket stuff. I, I actually feel like, um, I don't know, like my, my mom's an ISTJ. And so a few years ago, she came to my house and helped me clean out everything after reading the life-changing magic of tidying up. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so I've done that like three or four more times since, cause I've moved a couple times since then. And I don't own a lot anymore. I have like a couple of boxes of things in the garage that are things like movie stubs and notes and cards and stuff like that, or little, little things that I can't get rid of. Cause like you said, everything has meaning to us um, that we do keep, but um, yeah. in ways that I'm unconventional, I, I don't even know how to begin to answer that because um, a lot of the reason that I love Myers-Briggs is because it helped me realize that I wasn't a complete misfit and that I just wanted to change types and that it wasn't like, everybody else and being a weirdo <laughs> over here. Um, so I don't know, I'll have to think on that, think of like the very specific ways, but um, all I know is that I've never felt like I quite uh, know how to follow the script that maybe a lot of other people know how to follow a little bit better. Mm -hmm. How to be ordered. Like, what would anyone do in this situation besides me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, you know, daily normal routine things are a struggle and in a way that they don't always seem to be for the majority of other people. So I think that's a good thing for me. Yeah. yeah. Um my ENFP also would feel the same. Like she um when she does normal people things, she always has to add an element to spice it up. And then it'll cause chaos sometimes, <laughs> but it's like good chaos. Yep. Um, like a new ingredient in a recipe that is like unexpected. Something about ENFPs is that like FI allows them to have like this really great taste with knowing how to make things a little mm -hmm. better. Um, so like with my ENFP, like she could taste like a kombucha and go like, it would be better with like this mint with it because then the lemon would be great with that mint and I, what i'm trying to illustrate is like there's this type of thing where they ha are able to know personal their own personal taste so well that they can kind of coordinate it like when it's the outside has no taste so i feel like i don't know like um sorry that made no sense but um you know i relate to that my no <laughs> I'm with we you. got it we got no, it i was gonna say like i always tell my mom it's like um with the making thing, I, I learned how to make chocolate chip cookies when I was a kid. And then I spent the whole summer like using those same ingredients, but something a little bit different, something a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I, I hate you. I can't make cookies properly. I'm afraid to deviate the recipe. Well, so my ISTJ mom ended up getting annoyed because I was wasting 
all the ingredients because most of it wasn't edible in the end. But I was just <laughs> trying to play with like the foundational thing that's like this is the tried, tried, what am I saying? Tried and true, you know, time tested thing, and then just wanting to like tweak it, just make it a little bit better. Yeah, you're more. like, what about a little better? Did they get flat? I don't know. Right. <laughs> Maybe they're better. <laughs> My ENFP would completely relate to that, Caitlin. Um, and when she plays like Jenga, like she'll twirl the Jenga tower because it's too boring My to play straight up. And then everyone's yeah. like, why did you do that? But she's like, to make it interesting or something. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I, I do that to annoy friends. Like I, I'm the type now, I put the stuff back, but I go to stores and I purposely misorganize everything in stores. <gasps> Only, only because someone behind me is going to get pissed off, which is my friend who wants to do it. I never do it for the owner. Like, for the shop owner, I put it back because I'm, nice, I'm a nice person. But for my friend, because I know he's super obsessed with it, I'm like, I know you're going to be annoyed by this. So I'll just, like, drop a few. And then he'll be like, why are you doing this? I'm like, because you're annoyed by it. But I won't put it back because the owner is nice and I like the owner. So we're, we're cool with him, not with you. With you, I'm going to throw everything down. I would probably try to do that and then like the whole display would knock over and someone would be like, that lady pushed that whole display right hard. Yeah. I was just trying to do I was just trying to teach my friend a lesson. <laughs> my sister, I don't know about the rest of you, but my sister uh, teases me and calls me Larry David. Um, because like on his show, on Curb Your Enthusiasm, he's always just getting himself in the most awkward situations with the best of intentions, but he just screws up all the time. Like, like as an ENFP, it's like, oh, you know, in the being different, like, I'm not only going to be nice to them, but I'm also going to do this thing, like tip them a little bit more, leave a nice note. And then it ends up being strange. <laughs> and it's just like a Larry David moment. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm living for that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> My question for you guys is what ENFP shenanigans do you bring your friends on? Like whether it's traveling somewhere <laughs> with you or is it like something that new you bring to their life? So a new way of thinking or like a certain thing that you'd like to do, like go to hypnosis class together, um, like and, and something spontaneous that you bring your friends on. Do you guys have that? Oh, yeah. I'm very whenever my friends like oh, it's my time of the month. I'm like, perfect. We're going somewhere. We're going to go on an adventure. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, you can't say no. <laughs> they go live with me. We just pull her all the way to such, we find the most randomest restaurants, most craziest places just to check it out. And they're like, why are we here? I'm like, because you're unhappy and I'm not. And so we're going to fix that. <laughs> and so, yeah, we've been, we've gone to so many new things. Uh, apparently she has a craving for Mexican lollipops that are really yummy. So that one's really interesting. Ooh. The one that they cut, it's like mango, but they like dip it in chili powder. So it's it's wild. Oh. That one, yeah. When you taste it, you go crazy. That's the one I, that's what I like to give people. <laughs> when you taste something, they go crazy. That's the one. Yeah. That works. Crazy stuff, absolutely. I would put through, I would put through people, like I'd be driving and be like, yeah, I'm bored. I'm going to turn this and we're going to go on a different route today. <laughs> And then they're like, what? What do you mean? But this is what the GPS is. I don't really care about what the voice on the computer is saying. We should go this way instead. <laughs> Was that a donkey? Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, here's a little fun, little quick thing. Sorry, I don't know, I'll deviate a little bit. So the movie uh, Grave Encounters, that horror found footage film, if you Google the latitude and the longitude that they have at the end of the movie, it's actually at a mental institution that's near where I live. So guess where <laughs> we go at night when we're having fun? <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> Yeah, we were following nope. once. We were following once, but it was great. The guy couldn't, couldn't really follow us properly because he was walking and we were driving. So you were good. 
Okay, so question, is the mental institution still operating or is it a yeah. film set? That There's, it's operating, but there is an abandoned portion of it. Wait, it's like, in Canada. Okay. Why did they that is, is Canada. And they're in there like trying to heal and you're like, it's a large estate so it's not just an institute like there's a lot of it on the land oh, but then okay. there are like homes there are like little shacks that are literally plywooded um and this it's caution do not enter and it's like, like no there's, there's an estate there yeah it's great like you drive through by the way i don't know what's up with it but when you take a bus through it there's always fog i don't know what that i don't know what the deal is with that we're always getting fog there i feel like they're just waiting for it to make something crazy happen but yeah it was great <laughs> Dude, <laughs> at the end of the day, it was great. Nate, <laughs> Nate, when I visit you, I'm gonna totally force you. To we should. Force you. you all should come with, and we I'm should gonna, take a tour. I'm gonna force you to force me to go mm -mm. on this. Mm -mm. I'd, I'd love to go on mm -mm. with you to some weird yes. place. My ENFP at like at night, like at our sleepovers, what she'll do is, um, she, she, she one time she's like, I wonder how we'd look like as men, and then I'm like, oh okay, and then like she's it, like, okay, we're the first now. <laughs> and, and then yeah and then i had to do the full like makeup look and i'm like yeah it's just like a lot of random spontaneous like ideas that come at the spur of the moment and it, i just go along with the ride um okay so I, it seems like i'm recalling a lot of memories so it's not it's i'm not trying to be si i just want to see if there's some correlation between like my friend and um enfps so i'm not being si i'm just looking for you have an ni goal of, underneath i have an company. ni goal but bringing all of us together here, I see. <laughs> yeah, um, I feel like for me, for, uh, I'm not, I'm not like wild, crazy, like, I, but I, I do things that are spontaneous for sure, or that maybe somebody wouldn't think to do. Like, if I get an email that um, some author I really love is going to be in LA, and I'm like 40 miles from there, I'll just buy tickets, and then I'll find somebody to go with me. And and like, if there anytime there's an experience that I can have. That I know is going to feel a little different or enriching, or there's like a, like a, you know, the moth. If they're doing, if they're telling stories live somewhere around me that week, and I get, I catch wind of it, I'm definitely going to go. But it's and it's I'm sort of the same way with travel too. When I travel to a city, um, I kind of look for well, what would be like a really weird thing to look forward to to see, or really what's like the best restaurant that we could go to, or the the I don't know, like looking at things like what's a um, a scene, a set that has been used in a favorite movie of yours or something. I want to go and experience those particular kinds of things. Um, so that's the kind of bad friend. Yeah. I'm listening. I'm like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that novelty sequence. A weird double standard sometimes with the NFPs where it's like from the outside. Like this question makes so much sense that you're asking us. People are always like, oh, NFPs are so crazy and random. But it's like, I don't know about you guys. I don't feel crazy and random at all. Like it's like in my own head and I recognize like I have a life where like I travel 10 months a year. Like it's like I'm never in the same place for more than like three weeks. Like from the outside, I'm sure that seems crazy and random. But I'm like, I for me, it's so not necessarily pre-planned, but like it makes so much sense while it's happening. Like I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to do this. I have my reasoning for it. Like it, it doesn't feel crazy to me. It feels like yeah. what makes sense. It's just my normal. So it's like always funny because I'm like, I don't know how to answer that question because I don't do anything that to me seems crazy, but I think from the outside it might. 100%. the question. Wait, wait. So I, yeah. I want to respond to what Heidi said actually um, because so, so it, it's interesting. Like I feel like 
what Joyce asked is actually kind of weirdly almost you'd have to like meta see how non-NE sees us in order for us to like answer that. So I'm like, okay, so, so, so then like what I'd have to do is I'd have to go into your head or everyone else's non-ENFP heads, analyze that question and try and, you know, like, yeah, like somehow how would this make sense to how I else. do things. Yeah, exactly. Like, so that's, so I'm glad Heidi pointed that out because I really resonate with like, uh, uh, okay. And, you know, like, um, <laughs> I actually think about like this ESP stereotype sometimes of like, let's go and like do things, even though like Nate's not ESP, Nate's using NE to come up with something to make life wackier as opposed to going out and like doing spontaneous things. So yeah, I wanted to say that the way I interpreted the question was, well, okay. So first of all, I'm a type four. So I spend more time moping about my feels and being kind of like victim-y and all sad and shit. So how I drag other people into that is actually more verbal than actually doing So what just how that so, was worded. I'm mopey and I'm in victim-y and I drag people into that. Oh my goodness. Okay, okay. I know, I know y'all. Anyone knows Enneagram, you are too nice to say you agree, but you totally get what I mean. Anyways, the point is, with all of my friends, we perpetually go on existential eco-death trips together, where I basically start talking about the most traumatic things that are happening in the world or in my life, which then gets everyone suddenly into the mindset of reflecting on the wounds of their inner children or thinking about just like really dark shit somehow, but then also making it accessible and like interesting and stuff like that. So I would say like, I've learned that, oh, my way of spontaneity or wackiness is people somehow telling me that they don't tell anyone else by me just asking and being just really intense. I didn't realize like when I was younger that, well, okay, when I was younger, I was like, no one wants to do that, but I'm gonna keep doing that and see who can like meet my standards. And now like recently <laughs> in the last few years, everyone's all like, hey, wait, so I'm dealing with all this like pain about blah, blah, blah. And I know you're into astrology. Can you tell me what this means? And I'm just like, why are people suddenly like on the same like shit that I've always been on? It's weird. But like, yeah, I definitely can like resonate with like whenever like people are like, sometimes with you, it's like way too intense, but it's also like something I really need to like actually think about like all of my experiences and all of the emotions I've connected to them. Like that's FI, that's SI, not that any of you know what functions, but yeah. So I would say that I definitely think all APs can take people on their, their version of what their FI and SI considers an adventure. To me, that is going to the shit that no one really talks about out loud in society. But like, I'm like, yeah, I want to know all about like what you're really afraid of. Tell me. I, I don't say that, but like somehow it becomes that. So yeah. Is that a drug you might take? Because that's not a drug well, I'll take. But it's actually funny because what I was thinking about that when you were like, oh, I have an ego death. I'm like, well, for an Enneagram 4, is it talking about your pain and ego trip? Like, wouldn't an ego death be the opposite of that? Yes, yeah, she's having fun you know, over there. And I'm like, you really know, gives, my, gives my ego life to think about destroying it. I just dragged myself so hard. The and a 7 here going like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> No, well, I'm well, I'm like a four six eight, so like I get power from realizing I have no power, and so it's like a weird thing. I don't know, but yeah. <laughs> That's very interesting indeed, and good point, Heidi, about how like ENFPs don't view themselves as that type of like adventurous, like don't. crazy type of thing, because it makes sense to them that 
they would do at that moment what they would do. Um, my my ENFP probably sees herself as a homebody or a person like who stays at home and like is, but it's weird. Cause like from a person who sees her, I would not consider her a homebody, but her own self perception is that she's a homebody. Um, like, I guess like from outside, um, I guess how I see ENFPs is like they have, they're very, very intellectual, like incredibly philosophically deep and they don't get enough credit for just how, how uh, their ability to just think and come up with amazing, thoughtful, thought-provoking, life-changing ideas uh, regularly. Um, and that has been something that ah! <laughs> they Why really contribute. That's <laughs> true. It's like so, it's so underrated, but it's like a core quality underrated. of nephews. You listening? Yeah. <laughs> I guess by like spontaneous is that sometimes any comes up with these like wild um ideas like my my ENFP friend one day like just text me about like you know it's really it would be really cool if we had a, like a tiny home to like help homeless people we would just buy a tiny home and then get all these homeless people and they they live in it and she was like really entertaining all the possibilities that go with it um at the end like we normally don't do the things that she generates but it's like it was fun for her to come up with it at that moment um and like i guess any it, it likes to like think about doing the idea and what it would comprise of but not actually do it sometimes but it's like the thought of it is entertaining and it's stimulating to like just imagine it without the actual doing you said it. tiny home i'm just imagining how are they all gonna fit then that's exactly what <laughs> i was wondering <laughs> i think what you're thinking of the normal size yeah is it, wait is it the, the brand tiny home because i thought that was a brand isn't that like a company that like charity it's like when you build this mobile (laughs) she was gonna like build it for our friend who was in a rough situation she's like okay i'm planning one person yeah oh building a house for your friends to live in absolutely that's every enfp's dream yeah i'm I'm down (laughs) for that too like that makes sense now because i'm like tiny home i'm like but there's a lot there's a lot lot of big people like how do you fit (laughs) i'm like the math was like the math no the math <laughs> but awesome awesome yeah awesome. and it's so true Heidi how you say like ENFPs want that home of friends I'm, I'm not saying like all of them but there's a specific subset section of ENFPs who care about their friends as much as their romantic partners so it's weird that our culture like puts romance over friendship but my ENFP best friend is like friends are awesome <laughs> and yeah and it's like something she shares with Heidi uh, so, yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I could rant for hours about that. Like, it's like, why do we view these things as disproportionate? Like, friendship, in my mm-hmm. opinion, is like the most incredible type of relationship you can have. Because, and you know, there's all sorts of other types of beautiful relationships, but it's like it's completely optional, and there's no weird like ego shit you're getting out of it. Like, it's not like, oh, I snagged this friend, you know, which like tends to be like all tied up in romantic relationships. Like, it's just purely, I just like you and want to be around you. It's the only relationship that's like that. So I'm like, this should be the most valued one. It's the most pure form of love in my I, humble SO dom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think, like, friend breakups. Like, friend breakups are so devastating. And, like, I was reading about how we don't like, write enough books about, like, how to get over that because, like, chances are you have, like, more history with, like, a really long-term friend or, like, they, they can just ghost you and you can never figure out why, which is, like, far worse yeah, in some plus, ways. Then like, that person ends up, like, just talking about their other friend when they're, like, did you hear what Christine did? 
she was at the winery without me again. <laughs> Bitch, I know it's been three years. Like, man. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. They need a book for that. Crystal, write that. I think I've never movie. had a friend breakup. That's never happened to me. It sounds awful. No. <laughs> yeah, because I avoid, like, if a friend upsets me, then I'll be like, I'm going to avoid you so I don't resent you now. <laughs> You're definitely like, yeah. I feel like maybe people have broken up with me and I just haven't noticed. Oh, sorry. I'm just, I was just not at the phone right now. (laughs) Yeah. My next question for you guys is like, in what ways um, have you been like frustrated with like certain ENFP stereotypes, like the manic pixie dream girl? (laughs) The one that I've heard about Um, in a lot of forums. Well, because I think that what Nate was saying earlier about when he introduced himself and he was like, I'm fun at first. (laughs) <laughs> but like that's so true yeah plus and and it doesn't like it's like when people talk about the fun version of me I'm like oh I guess that's the one you like I'll stay at that level with you Oh, get that, yeah. I'll stay I'll stay comfortable I'll stay this but like you don't want to know what is really going on yeah no, absolutely. I think I have maybe you're maybe you're seven like me because I have similar reservations, especially when it comes to meeting some people like that. But like, like Chris, like Crystal, like Crystal was saying, she's over here. <laughs> she she was saying about helping your friends access their feelings. I feel like if I feel like a friend wants to talk to me, I'll open that door. I'm like, oh no, I, I do that. You can tell me about that. I'm a fucking disaster. I freaking cried in my car four times this week or like something like that. And then I'll just fill it all out. And then they're like, oh my God, thank you. And then they just start telling me their stuff. But like, I didn't necessarily want to tell them anything. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you guys relate to this, but I feel like what I really relate to in that, um, like the disagreement with that trope is that I almost feel like because ENFPs are so intellectual, like about emotional things, like I kind of sit around mm. all day, like I'm like deep in the self-help industry and stuff. Right. And I feel like people think that that means that I'm feeling all of those things. Cause I like talk about them and I'm like, no, I just really like, yeah, it. Oh God. you know, like it's just very interesting to me. And it doesn't mean like I do feel things very deeply, but for the most part, like that's not why I'm going there or why I'm like reading about these things. Like, I have like an Instagram that's just self-help and every once in a while a relative will email me and be like, are you like, okay? <laughs> I'm like, no, this is just like what I read about and think about. And I think that people confuse that. Um, and, and that can be like weird for the ENFP. Like people can't separate the intellect from the feeling part of us. And we have both parts, but they do exist separately in a lot of ways. Uh, and I'm wondering like if you guys resonate with that at all. Yeah, I totally, um, I, I had a, I had a poetry Instagram for a bit that I stopped because I think people thought there was something wrong with me or I took an acting <laughs> and I cried when I gave a monologue in which the original actress cried and the teacher said something like, everyone, I just want to remind you that, um, acting isn't therapy. So if you're going <laughs> to <laughs> I think it's uh, it goes back to the what you said about different people's perceptions so people think we might be wild and crazy because on the outside it appears like this crazy spontaneous thing but it's really more strategic and all makes sense to us because everything's connected so in our head it makes sense what we're doing and I think the thing is for feelings we're so fluent in them that it doesn't it doesn't take a lot out of us 
to speak them or to be vulnerable. And so I think for somebody who, for whom that is less natural, they think, wow, if I were saying that, I would really be going through something to be saying that out loud. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. but that's not how we are. We like to analyze the deeper feelings and it's very comfortable for us to do. So it's not that we're going through a really emotional. Yeah. Thing. But you don't want to force somebody to like be there for you. You're like, I don't want to tell you this, but I'll tell you this if you want to hear it, if you want to tell me something. <laughs> it's like such a weird like exchange. Yeah. Yeah. So wait, I'm using the hand raised thing. I wanted to say that like, because I've, I get, I've gotten asked this question like a lot, like in one-on-one -on -one interviews or whatever. Um, and it makes me think about like the fact that like our hero's journey is to basically kind of integrate our shadow, which is like sensing intuitive thinking. And it makes me think how society kind of like imposes these kinds of expectations on everyone, but that for us, the way that we're perceived or misjudged by other people is because other people don't view any FI as like the norm of like accessibility. Like for example, like with the intuitive feelings where it's, it's like easy for us to like muster the ability to cry. Other people in society view that as like, oh, that's like a luxury. That's like you save up and then you have like one good cry when you're letting all this stuff out as opposed to, oh, I cry like recreationally like every day, like three or four <laughs> times. And like, I think then people then idealize like being that way, but like all the time as like something either aspirational or something that's like repulsive or something. And I've kind of like noticed that that's like how people tend to react to me whenever I do like share FI. But if I'm trying to make a point, it then gets like lost. And oh, you like know that about yourself? Like how much have you like gone through? And I'm just like, uh, like, are you like listening to like my so distracted and triggered by your own inability to comprehend your own emotions so i guess like i do find it frustrating but it's more so like why is society not able to deal with their own shit to where like we are put on this other pedestal and i feel like that's a very type four thing of me to say but i really do feel like it is interesting to like notice how like society viewing us shapes the question itself and like how we end up viewing ourselves like i don't know like i've just been thinking about this this whole time like all these questions are making me kind of like be like uh, are we really that interesting like holy shit like you guys are so different i would want to like respond to that in a way by do you guys all relate to the situation or moment where you almost kind of give people permission to embrace their feelings in a way by being mm -hmm. present with them because mm -hmm. i've noticed that with my friend yeah, yeah, my social circle. yeah like by my social circle like you go around and next thing you know because everyone's conditioned to feel shame with crying or to feel shame when they go through something negative even as a seven and while that may be a little ironic for me but i actually don't mind if people are kind of like just expressing themselves and like letting out a good you know a good uh, moment like go for it and I've noticed like that sometimes if I personally don't feel like that's accepted for myself that I would feel like the shame of not wanting to express feelings at least uh, the least I could do is help another person not feel what I'm feeling so they get to have the permission to yeah. cry they have the permission to feel their their full authentic self let's say and they could be themselves and they could just push themselves. Because it's like, what are you going to do? Freak us out? We're ENFPs. We're yeah. not going to freak out. Like some person like, and then, all out. we're not dying. <laughs> yeah. But then I think it's the value of the friendship is like being allowed to bounce back and not having somebody be like, was that real? Like you were just that level 
ground level and now we're like giggling about this freaking guy that walks past and you're like there's your boyfriend like i would do that though it's something i would do (laughs) but but like allowing that person being like no i i know i know like being like making them know that that you're you're not letting that feeling pass by like you know that hurt them you know just just knowing the level of wherever you need to be it's like we know yeah, I, I decided a while back, um, I, I was taking a writing class and they said that you should have some sort of um, tagline or something that you go by that it's like the mission of your writing. And so for me, uh, mine was just to make people feel more understood and less alone. And so everything that I do is, is this going to accomplish that goal? And sometimes I've shared of myself only because it's not that hard for me. To, to do, even though FI is like shared as if it's very secretive, for me, it's really not. Like, I think people think I'm sharing a tip of an iceberg, but I'm usually sharing the whole iceberg if I'm sharing. And so I feel like, um, I feel like I, that's not uncomfortable for me. So I think I almost see it as a duty to share and be open and be as much myself as I can, even when it might be uncomfortable, because I know how much probably I would want that because it creates an environment where then other people can do the same. And so I'm just, it's mm-hmm. that whole. Want it, wanting yeah. to do for others what you would like done as well and and that you think would be freeing for them. But probably so because true. people object. So it's probably because it would be freeing for me. <laughs> so if I'm being honest, but I, I think- You're like, I'm selfish as shit. I want this space for myself as well. <laughs> right, like, yeah, so I feel like if I want it, I can do it. If I want to cry. <laughs> It's like it's like world yeah. design. It's like there are all these things that are only shameful or things we don't talk about or whatever because people don't talk about them. And if we just talked about mm-hmm. them and just put them out there and just went there, like no one would have to feel shame over them. So it's just like I think ENFPs and maybe like NFs in general tend to be more willing to just go there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great thing because mm-hmm. it's like that is what ends up changing that whole spiral of like everyone feeling all like fucked up about things that they don't have to feel that way about. Cause that's, that's why though, when we get sad, it's so, then we become so ineffective because like you second guess everything about you're about to say, you're like, that's dirty or that's wrong. Or why would you say that? Why would you bring that up right now? That's inappropriate. Like when you're second guessing yourself, it makes you ineffective. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. That's I'm like not productive. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting how this idea is being brought up like ENFPs I guess the reason why they might not see what they what they do as weird is because ENFPs operate as if the box doesn't exist so let's say like most people when they approach a situation they view it through a box and like the ENFP naturally doesn't have that in their vision like that, that isn't something biasing how they'll react in the situation so you know box is like the the static way of doing it, like the conventional or like, but there's no actual purpose for why it should be done that way. And I realize that with ENFPs, if there's no like reason for why you're doing it that specific way, like if you don't tell me why, then I can do it another way, unless you give me a valid reason for why. Um, so the, the thing is like for ENFPs, the box doesn't exist. And I think that's why people view them as weird, but they're not weird. They're, it's, it's, it's just, maybe everyone else is weird because yeah they don't know that that was the case maybe everyone else is weird because they operate from within the box so it's really Mm -hmm. about your perspective on it um and yes crystal (laughs) you wanted to say something yeah so um something i like to bring up when i'm trying to like debunk anything 
like that someone's trying to stereotype an ENFP as is I actually talk about like you know like with like FE doms like people who are like EFJs they have that stereotype of like trying to like feel everyone's emotions and try to like like manage the group like dynamic and it makes me think about how when you lead with extroverted intuition your intuition is always trying to extend and like transcend your own like self and you're always trying to reach into everyone else's perspective and everyone else's like brain and stuff and, machine. I, and so it like it's like truly that we try to just see all the worlds that everyone is inhabiting to where i feel like like, um, we do that at the cost of, I think, looking, like, static and, like, having, like, one box. And I think that's actually, like, what can make us overwhelming to people because they, like, don't, they don't want to, like, walk out of their own, like, perspective. But we're always, like, doing it for other people. So I don't just think of it as, like, oh, FI, this ocean of depth of emotions, but also the NE of, like, having so many ways to express it at our disposal because we are constantly tuning in to everyone's intuition and constantly picking up on, like, so many things, and, like, observant of, like, so much. And so I feel like it's frustrating when, like, people try to say we're just, like, one thing, and then when we say, no, we're many things, and that becomes, ironically, a stereotype, it's actually completely true because how else would yeah. you describe what we're literally doing? <laughs> Yeah, it's you guys are way more like multi-dimensional than like what people always put you as. Like with my ENFP, something that she deals with a lot is like people don't understand her at all. Like even like one percent. Like and the thing is, like she's not trying to be hard to understand. Yeah. It's just that people mm -hmm. sometimes don't understand ENFPs because they have an unconventionalness to them. But it's not like they're trying to be unconventional. It's just that everyone operates from within a box and. They just don't see the point of just the it right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually want to quickly um, mention for because Caitlin, you had that tagline situation thing about the whole you want to get people to be understood and then let them not feel alone. Mm -hmm. I feel like do we all did we all have like a moment in our lives where we kind of had our own unique way with that with that tagline? Like we took it to our own somehow. Like we came across that own conclusion mm -hmm. somehow that we were kind of put on the planet. To have to do something because nobody else seems to be agreeing. Because like, for me, it was I can raise myself up and give myself the finger bang like, at the the finger guns at the mirror, and I can pet myself up no problem as a seven. But then nobody else is, so therefore I want to raise everybody up because I don't want to yeah. have to deal with people being sad around me. Not because you know I don't like seeing sadness. I see pain everywhere. It's just that I want to give people the the tools so that they can handle. The, the negativity in a way because it's like when people go you have to reframe and they're like i don't know how to reframe or like rationalizing is hard and I'm like, seriously yeah. um uh and it's like to me yeah, it's no. like, i don't want to feel uh. bad because it's easy for me but also maybe there's a psychological tool that we could you know help instead of me saying oh just be a seven because you can't like well let's do something else and it's actually there's probably better tools out yeah. there to help a person out so they don't feel alone like you said they don't feel alone and they feel as if that their pain isn't shameful to like yeah because it's not for it's sure not. nate and something what happens is when people don't understand enfps some of them develop a detachment towards people so my enfp deeply loves people but she also has a side of her that is detached because she knows that no one actually understands her or like she's okay with it like she's completely accepted it but it's almost it causes this like she's close to people she loves them deeply but there's almost like this um I don't know what to call it. It just feels like a detachment, but she, you can still love people deeply, but still 
except that they don't know you completely, but that causes you to not be close in a certain area, and that causes them to feel a little bit detached in a certain specific area. Maybe it's their FI heart with some of them. Um, and that's why there's this concept of the FI any heart that I have like a video on. And it, it's basically like ENFPs, they reserve a certain part of their heart for those that actually understand them or like that. Oh, the one are that capable, um, Alexa yeah, talked are, to you about, right? Yeah, that, that are, mm -hmm. yeah, that are capable of understanding the darker sides of yourself or even you more completely. And like the ENFPs have their any heart, like, the, the one that is expensive and broad and the FI heart that is selective for wow. those people they let into their inner crevice. But when you're there, you stay there. So it's like no matter where you are, no matter what location, no matter what physical place, you're always in their heart emotionally. I don't <laughs> for me, I, I, I have so often seen my role in life as, um, and I don't mean this to sound like real egotistical or something, because that's not where this is coming from. Just genuinely, I, I, I've always felt like, that role of how to make other people feel comfortable and loved and worthy and valued. And, and so when I come across somebody who plays that role for me, it's really hard to even believe at first. And, and then also really hard to accept that maybe I'm not going to be that person for them, but they're that for me. It's just, it's like this flipping something on its head that I'm used to. Um, so I think it's really, really powerful. when yeah, when we come across those people who, who do that, like hold the mirror up to us. Mm -hmm. That's why I don't look in the mirror. <laughs> we don't do that anymore. <laughs> you like no, no, it's you. You're on the dot with that one, actually, because um, even I have problems with uh, like compliments, like people just giving like offshore compliments, like out of nowhere. And they're like, "Oh, I appreciate this," and all that stuff. It's kind of, I would say, over time, it's become easier to accept it because, in a way, I have to see it from their point of view. That to them, that's how they express their appreciation and their love or their concept and everything. So I'll take it because I know that that's where it's coming from. Mm -hmm. Versus, say, you know, at, when I was younger, I used to think, "Oh, they need to like this is not how I would do it. Therefore, why are they doing it like that? It's not how I think I should." And then I'm like, "Wait a minute, should shouldn't exist in like." vocabulary because should is an expectation those are constructs yeah those are, yeah, those are those as a frustration pipe with my projection of <laughs> idealism right i'm like that's not correct because as much as that's cute i have to acknowledge that the other person in you know that i'm talking to has this whole world for them as well like respecting another person's fi like this is their right their identity and they're showing it to me i gotta respect that for what it is and take it for what it is and then i feel like once we hit that point as enfps we're like Oh, now we're gonna like we're not alone anymore because we get to see everybody's FI is their own unique self, and we're like, okay, I can hold hands now. Like we can work this out. Like, we can, you know, it's not weird anymore. That teenager time of me is no longer there. So, <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, So I find it kind of like a oh, weird. Oh shit! She got oh, off. Like... <laughs> Sorry, I got to hop off. But it was great meeting you all, and I will hopefully see y'all in chat. Thank you again for hosting this, Joyce. Thanks for coming, Crystal. Yeah. And if you guys want to check Crystal out, she is in the links below. She does tarot card readings, and she's an excellent friend. So highly, highly recommend her. Um, and let's just love continue you. on with the I love you, too. <laughs> and then um, there were five. And then there were five. <laughs> it's a survival game, apparently. <laughs>
we'll all lose. Nobody has any S here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh. it's like, how long has it been? Like, <laughs> none of us are checking the time, I don't think. Are we? It's been 52 minutes. There's a little ticker up there. Yeah, there is a thing right at the yeah. top. 53? <laughs> oh, wow. It's right there. I see it now. Yeah. SI. SI. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Living for it. So so true. So what do ENFPs need to feel alive and jived up and jazzed up for life? People. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the answer, right? Like, it's like, at least I don't. Like, I'm like, I want it to be all these things I can, like, build and get for myself. But no, it's people. Like, that's the answer. Like, that's the one word. It is. I hate people, yeah. but I can't, like, stop living. But you're like, like I need them in my life. You see them, you're like, Absolutely. what are you doing in there? Like, I, okay, here's the funny thing. I market myself as a person who's a misanthropist who hates people. But the truth is, you're an NF. You have no choice. You're surrounded by people. And I can't help, like, I am talking to folks all day, every day, online, offline. You have to. It helps. <laughs> I, I take people from myself sometimes. I'm like, no people. <laughs> yeah, but we still, we still people. NF life. <laughs> That's not a good thing. You should like insert yourself into an environment. I feel like when you get stuck, it's better to, like, someone probably needs you at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What type of people? Um, make you feel alive. What is the traits that these people contain? That's a good question. I think it's when people, at least for me, I interact with people all at the bank, just all kinds of people. And it's like when they realize that I'm actually listening to what they're saying. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, they like plug in and they talk to you for real. And then you're like, what are you doing with your free time? What do you think about what's going on? And people are like, are you, are you, are you in there? For real? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, like that to me, you never know like what you're going to get. It could, and it could be anyone. I be like a very old Amish man or like a forward. It doesn't, it's who knows. Absolutely. I think for yeah. me, it's, it's it's kind of like what you just said. It's it's like it doesn't even matter what type of person. If um, I think the best moments I have in life are when um, when it feels like the mask has come off when you're talking to somebody. It's just like a real human moment where you have a real human connection, even if you don't agree about what you're talking about or anything. But when you just touch on the things that make you just human at your core, I think that is where um, I find joy and and connection. I love the feeling too of like having shared experiences with people. Like it's like I live mostly nomadically and I travel with a community of like other people. So I'm usually around 20 to 30 people like all the time. And I love it. Like, it's like, I love the experience of like having the same experiences as another group of people and being able to like be brief about them and get excited about things together. And like, to me, and again, SO Dom, so like take that with a grain of salt, but it's like having a community is just like the only thing that makes life 100% truly worth living. Like it's, it's everything to me. No, I can definitely agree with that. Even as not an SO Dom, like my, I wouldn't be where I am without my friends, like without my close circle of friends, like a support group. Like it's so, we, we talk about it all the time. Like we tell people you need to have a, find your people, find your tribe because it does wonders when you actually find people who like take you for you 
it does wonders to help you out because you're like you, at least you know that you're accepted somewhere somebody loves you somewhere unconditionally it uh-huh. changes your perspective like it just makes you so much more stronger i don't know if that makes sense like you you can face things knowing that there's somebody there you could call up in tears and be like "Something to happen to me but they're like you can got hear you. so many more voices arguing with you too <laughs> that's so true many, like, my friends like to roast me a lot like, but i remember that <laughs> Actually, it's funny because um, I do want to notice an observation we just did, like with the question of what type of people, and we made it all about the FI of it, which I thought was really cool. Because uh, I had a moment when I visited Montreal for the first time, and the entire thing we went to the Bayadon, you know, I tried cheese, all the delicious things. We even went to like a hookah lounge. It, we didn't even know it was. But then the biggest highlight for me was the taxi ride back to the airport. Cause I got to meet this guy and I got to talk to this dude and he was from Morocco and he was like telling me his life story. And I'm like, I'm here for this. Like I'm here for this experience that you're talking about, you know, where you came from, the struggles you went through and you just telling me this, like I'm honored to be, you to open your world for a reason, like for some out of reason, other than the fact that we're just strangers. Like yeah. that to me was the cherry on top of that trip. Like I didn't care at that point about the, the, oh, there was an insect like zoo somewhere. I'm like, great. But this guy's telling me his life story and the struggles he went, like that's, we're staying with this one. I actually felt bad. Man, I forgot his name too. I felt bad because I was like, That's why we're so effective in corporate because you're coaching. You truly care what people are going through. And you're not judging them for the stuff that they get caught up in. Plus people that come in are telling me what's really going on in their life. Business owners, I truly give a shit about your business. <laughs> yeah, I find that for some ENFPs, they get people who are emotionally attached to them because ENFPs hold a lot of space for other people's darkness or they let you say it. And what happens is the other person's never had that in their life before. So they like go like, wow, the ENFP is so great. And then the ENFP is like, oh, I didn't mean to get you attached. I just listened to your darkness. <laughs> but um, so yeah, ENFPs make space for people's genuine selves. And another thing um, that was really cool that you guys mentioned um, was like community, a sense of community. Something that any FI is really good at is it like sees that each person's unique contribution. So like my ENFP is good at seeing how everyone has a unique thing to bring to the table. So like because NE is good at like going like, oh, you know, that person's good at this while this person's good at that and that person's good at that. So it generates all of these like these positives about people. It's like and so it's not necessarily like people see any as maybe optimistic and maybe it is but it's actually like an openness to to, to actually yeah yeah and it's really great it's like this openness to seeing the best in people like for some ENFPs with my ENFP best friend and so like something really great about her is that she's able to go like um this person has this specific thing to offer and kind of it i don't know it's, it's the the thing what i was trying to highlight in this is that like it's the ability to appreciate people as they are um warts and all and because she's able to yeah heidi <laughs> awesome no i just i so like resonate with what you're saying because i think like for me this is one part where 
like I get weirdly conflicting views on this because like being an ENFP and being an Enneagram 8 are very at odds sometimes. So I get people who either tell me like, you only see the best in people or you only see the worst in people. But <laughs> it's like, no, they're the same thing to me, right? Like it's like the things that people struggle with and like the things that they're really either like bad at or really like are, are kind of like dark about them. I'm like, I see those things as potential strengths for people. So it's like, you know, there's not a difference, like it's not best or worst. It's like there's just people and you have to see the whole thing. And I think like that's also just a very ENFP thing overall. Yeah, I was just, um, I was saying something to my mom the other day about um, like po being positive or optimistic, like we were saying. And I, I came to this conclusion that um, I, it's really hard because we live in a world with such dichotomies um, and, you know, it's good or bad or it's right or it's wrong and or it's positive or it's negative. And it's really, really hard to step out of outside of that vocabulary. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes when I'm talking about maybe seeing the possibilities of something or, or the possibilities of where someone's coming from or what they might be going through or all these things, sometimes I just say something that to me does not have a value judgment. But because yeah. of all the things that we've learned, it, people automatically think, oh, that's a negative or that's a positive. But it's not. I just it just is. And and I and like you said, things that could be I have no attachment to it. But it's yeah, just like just, for, just so you know, Boo. Like you yeah. do that. <laughs> well, and I think I think as ENFPs, we've probably naturally developed this ability to see like leaning into who you are and and not seeing it as a negative. We've learned to see the possibilities for, hey, maybe we're we don't seem like we were cut out for the way the world is set up. But we we found how to navigate our way through it and figure things out and see these things as strengths. So I think that mm -hmm. we've been we've primed our brains to look for those pathways of how could this be a good thing? How can this be channeled for something else? Yeah, no, absolutely. yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And that goes back to how ENFPs don't think in boxes. To see something as purely bad or purely good is like a a box. And ENFPs they look beyond that and they're like, well, you are just you in your entirety and I can see the positives and I can see the negatives, but I'm not gonna characterize you as just one side because that's kind of not the full picture of you. And so ENFPs leave room for the full picture of who someone else is. Even if I try to, I feel like my brain would be like, well, <laughs> there'd be like a 50,000 and then I would feel like I'm making assumptions or I'm being like, small-minded or like I'm not going to be reactive with my thought unless it's really inappropriate yeah it takes a lot for us to be like whoa you know <laughs> yeah yeah okay and me just naturally like understands things so it's kind of like okay maybe that's not what I would do <laughs> like, but it doesn't like shock me what's funny <laughs> is I feel like I'm drawing a I feel it's funny because I'm learning every day um what we just described was almost like a parallel to a the other opposite of our of our functions, the TI, because T, like yeah. I was talking to an ISTP, like just actually I just I haven't sent the email yet because we're really fun. This person's awesome, but I'm learning that when she explained TI to me was that they need to know everything first. They need to know the the reasoning behind everything before they make that decision. And I'm like, all right, seems like an odd thing for me because I'm very results oriented. I don't really need that much information. Yeah. But then when we talk about FI, we need all that information. We need to see yeah. the whole person. We need yeah. to see the whole identity because we accept yeah. the whole, and it's going to take a while for us to for be like, I actually don't like this person. That actually took a lot of thinking to get to that point. Yeah. So, 
<laughs> a lot for me to feel that way like a lot a lot yeah. I, um, yeah. so i'm like wait a minute that's the parallel for people to be like oh you take in the ethical side of it like the i don't know like for people out there who, who watch this and are like what the f i don't get it i'm like this <laughs> when you see us describe it why we take so long to reach certain conclusions sometimes because we like when it comes to the type of people we talk to there is no specific type of people it's what identity we finally kind of latch on that they give us this authenticity that we just start absorbing and we're like, this is the one. It, that's that's like what a paragraph. We're not gonna give them a two sentence answer. With. <laughs> it does. It's hard, and I feel like that's where the parallel is, and also the opposite with FE kinds comes in in a way. Because I've had situations where I would vent out, and people would be, "Oh, you mean so you don't like this person?" And I'm like, "No, I'm still cool with them. I'm okay with this person. I just." lining out the TE reasons of why it's inefficient, like yeah. what they were doing um, and why I think they, we could have done something better. But just because I made a to-do list about it doesn't mean I don't like them. It just just means that there is a list about them. Like it's just, <laughs> it's just a list. Like it's all it is. It's just yeah, emotional to it. Yeah. It's a list. Observations. <laughs> Observations, that's it. Yeah. I, yeah, I might, be, I might have to get a different mindset before I interact with that. Yes, like, yeah, we'll just have to shift a little bit, but it's not that we hate them, we don't. And you're so right about using TE with it, because it's like, it's not so much like, oh, I have this feeling or don't have this feeling all the time. It's just like, does it make sense for me to spend a lot of time around this person based on like, do we have the same interests right now? Like, but that's an ongoing thing. So it's like, like recently, I kind of reconnected with a friend who like years ago, I was like, ugh, I don't really like this person that much. Like, it's just like, it didn't seem like we had that much in common, but then like, over the years, we kind of like veered towards learning the same things and being interested in the same things. So it's like now when we talk, we're like, we have so much to talk about. But it was never really a value judgment of like they're a bad or good person or whatever. It was just like, oh, do we have things to connect on or not? And that's like 99% of how I determine do I want to spend time around someone is like, how much opportunity to connect is there? And sometimes that's just like a TE thing. I like how you worded that because I usually just say, "Oh, our values are aligned today." So let's <laughs> I say because okay. also people are like the stars are aligned today. I just say our values I'll, are aligned. I'll, today. I feel like I'll only do that. I'll only have that like pattern of thinking because I'll feel like I'm like playing favorites or something. But like in my relationships, I'm like I can't even reach out to who I want to reach out to unless I'm trying to be like effective with something. I'm like, okay, I need to pre-plan this. And I'm really good at that when I talk to Kelly. So I'm going to call Kelly and talk to her for 20 minutes. And then I'm going to get all my work done. <laughs> but, like, it'll be a Hail Mary for me. Like, I don't want to use her. Even though you probably welcome that call. Like, but it's not even about, like, like I want to maybe clarify that was, like, a misconception between what either Nate or I were saying. Like, it's not about using them to get things done. Like, getting things done can be, like, I want to get, like, a really deep conversation done. You know? Like, it's, like... It's like TE in the way of like what Yeah, yeah, like, whatever it is I need to accomplish. <laughs> but that's not <laughs> how you like yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh I, I'm feeling down today even like who's like a very empathetic friend who I know likes to have these kind of conversations. Like yeah. you're like, where's Kate? She's over here. Yeah. <laughs> it's no older than it is, but like <laughs> inside. Yeah, and that goes a bit into like the ENFP detachment that I talked about earlier too. There's like the side that's um, a little like detached in the form of like, Heidi, you mentioned like, oh, well, this like, is there an interesting philosophical conversation to be had here or something? Like, I sometimes ENFPs like, um, I, I don't know where I was going with this. I don't know how to describe it. It feels kind of esoteric in my mind. I was going somewhere with it, but well, it's, that's it's like, it is. 
Yeah. Like Welcome to NE. Like, I see something out there. I should probably yeah. address that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll get yeah. to it. Pursuing the curiosity. Um, something my ENFP friend does is at like 5 a.m. in the morning sometimes, like she'll research some really niche topic that no one really knows anything about. Like um, she was researching camping and like the different types of fungus and how to just how to survive an apocalypse or something like um, it's just random stuff. Um, like when any is energized, it researches, it goes into this rabbit hole um, that it'll then become an expert at that rabbit hole um, and it will like. Yeah, that's so. What are your experiences with rabbit holes, guys? Oh my god! <laughs> Does addiction count? <laughs> Just addicted to it, like it's a hobby. If that's what you mean. <laughs> I feel like a good example of this is like this year I got a running injury, so like I just became a personal trainer. Like I got certified as one because like I just was like it costs less money to do this and learn all the information myself than to hire someone to like work with me. And it's so fun to just like learn all the things, right? I'm never gonna use it. No one's ever gonna hire me to be their personal trainer. But it's like, you just get into something and it's like, you wanna know everything. And it's yeah. like, beyond- that's a Wait, that's actually smart. So it's cheaper to just learn it than to it have is. somebody. Because I've always wondered with the price of a, of a personal trainer, I was like, I don't know if I can afford you. Can't fit you in my, my schedule right now. <laughs> <laughs> From like 300 to 800, like the highest certification is like $1,000. And yeah. like the, the lowest one that's still pretty good is like 200 bucks versus hiring one is like 200 bucks an hour. Like it's insane. But you have to read a lot of things. So there's that. No, but then you'll have, but you have you're going to, to anyway. Yeah, exactly. but you have a database anyway. So like, yeah. I love it. Okay. Even I'm, if you had a girl, you're you still be like, like be like, is this a good camp exercise? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like yeah. I think for me it's similar. Um, I think I think one of the things I've, I mean, the fact that we're all here because we love typology. I think that's one world that we've all uh, dived into. And I I think that um, for me, then I also added the strengths finder stuff because with each thing that I learn, where I learn a system, I feel like I'm becoming fluent in multiple languages so that I can have new perspectives. And and I also love languages for the same reason to understand where other people are coming from. And this is all making me think what you just, something you just said, Heidi, made me think of um, that I, I used to, when people, you know, like when people talk about, oh, what do you think is, is there life after death or what happens when you die? My, my like dream scenario, which I think also goes back to our obsession with people is that like upon death, I would in a moment have an understanding of what it would have been like to have lived as every person who's ever been on the earth like that. The idea that I could fully understand and embody that would be like heaven to me. And I think that goes like, I think that just speaks to the ENFP nature of understanding. Like, <laughs> you know what's funny you mentioned that learning different languages, because at that at this point, are we even surprised by anything anymore? Because people like a person could just show off their full darkness to us and we'll be like, okay. Like that seems to fit, yeah. you know. I've, I touched on a person five years ago with what were you saying, so it's not too bad. Like, we're just always absorbing experiences that other people, like, other people's stories into our minds that when other people tell us things, we're just like, oh, do you guys find that you guys come off calm in those situations? Like, because I guess because as intuitive dominance, intuition isn't scary to us. So we're actually in a realm of people like, oh, you're chill about this? And you're like, yes, <laughs> we're fine. <laughs> we're actually more so excited and... <laughs> 
even more enthusiastic to absorb whatever you have to tell us rather than i don't know because like i have some folks who would be like oh let's uh, bury that for a second i got something to do because they're not at any dom <laughs> they gotta prioritize something else but for us we're like nope we're here for it that's such an interesting like commentary on the human condition i feel like though because it's like i actually think what happens is we're just disproportionately in those situations where people are revealing things to us but it's like I think most of what people are ashamed about in general, regardless of type, like isn't that bad to other people. Like they're they're not disgusted by it. They're not like, oh my God, I can't believe that I heard you say that, whatever. Some people are just uncomfortable receiving it because they don't know how to respond appropriately. Like I think more often it's like, I don't know how to make you feel comfortable post revealing that. But I think like, it's, it's just a thing where like everything that we think is so shameful really isn't as shameful as we think it is like no one is ever going to be more shocked by it than than we are against ourselves so it's like i just think like we're in the position more but it doesn't mean that it's different you know i agree i think that also there's a certain level of um like going back to as enfps feeling like we might not always fit the mold or fit inside the box i think we've had to work through probably just naturally like have to work through some of our own shame about that and Mm -hmm. i think more that you work on your own shame and accepting things about yourself the more, the more you don't um, have a reaction to other people sharing shameful things because you've already worked through that stuff. Not that I mean I'm not I've not like arrived at something, but I, I've just found that the most that I, the more that I work on that, the more I do it for other people. No, I yeah. agree. That actually makes a lot of sense because uh, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Anyways, mm-hmm. you go most, ahead, guys. Go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> one hour and 13 minutes. <laughs> most of the like shame comes from like it being in the darkness because then when it's in the darkness you can't tell if it's bad or not because you don't know if anyone else deals with it so the sheer secrecy of shame fuels the shame because you will never get the feedback that it's okay to have that because yeah. you've already judged yourself for having it so you hide it 100%. I think oh, oh I was gonna say earlier that that reminded me when um, I think Heidi you were saying something about that as well but um so like i struggle with anxiety which is something that it's like all the mental health issues i think the more we talk about them the more they're they're normalized Mm -hmm. um but it's still scary to be the first one to say something in a friend group or online or something but i noticed that um when the when coronavirus became a thing and everybody was experiencing anxiety i had some friends reach out who know i'm anxious and said uh, or that i suffer from anxiety and they asked me like how are you doing i said weirdly i'm really calm because I think a lot of what adds to my anxiety in life is feeling like I'm one of the only people experiencing it. And it feels very lonely and it feels embarrassing to share. But suddenly everyone was on the same level of all having this anxiety and we could all openly share about it. And then I didn't feel ashamed to talk about it. And so it made me realize it, it was sort of like seeing that in action, the way that that can work. The more we talk about things and shed light on them. That like, thought process is what I started doing at work like a year and a half ago because I was like I'm tired of being like seriously caught in between I can't say what I'm really struggling with because everybody's probably struggling with it, but you're not allowed to say it so eventually I was just like you know what <laughs> like, and it's been it's just been the best like exactly what you're saying about that so we do all kind of activities like everybody's so much more connected like it's so much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do what you guys contributes? Find, like being as NFs, that you're suddenly, if you're in a house of non-intuitives, that you're suddenly the only one responsible for their mental wellness. Have you found that to be the case? 
like suddenly you have to carry everybody's because you did the homework yeah, to yourself. Like, and so other people like who are just stuff. experiencing the homework, they're like, it's so stressful. And we're like, uh, this is what makes us us this entire time. Like we struggled this in high school with our identity issues, and then now we're, we're finally okay. And then everyone's like, now's my time. And you're like, oh no. So this is our calling, huh? <laughs> I think that speaks to the way we all balance, right? Because like I wouldn't be able to get through everyday normal things if I didn't have all the sensors in my life <laughs> who keep that, me grounded. That's very true. That's very so true. It makes me feel purposeful when they need something that I can offer. It's interesting because people always equate being an N with being so into self-improvement. And I think like there's a very big correlation there for sure. But I always suspect it's just because like we've had to like self-improve. <laughs> we've had to sure. learn like, <laughs> new skills beyond our natural capabilities, right? To get by in the world. So it's like, we've had to go that route. It's not because- We like, got to rock bottom. We were like, it bounces. <laughs> <laughs> and there it's you fine. go. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was uh, also my friends at a 5%, so. I think that takes the bait is like the biggest ENFP quote of the century. Yes. Bottom <laughs> and realize it bounces. Yes. I'm gonna incorporate that into like everything I do now. You're getting full credit. <laughs> it's the boa. That whatever pom pom you have. Yeah. That, that helps it's somehow. It's <laughs> I actually had a friend who's an ESFP one time. So like I was joking with him, being like, oh, I'm at rock bottom. And he's like, Heidi, over the course of your life, you'll come to realize rock bottom is more of a bungee cord that just like <laughs> brings you up and then just plummets you right back down even further. And then <laughs> and I'm like, this is not a pep talk. Like I feel worse. Yeah. <laughs> I like the visual of like falling down a pit, but then coming back up out of it, like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey. Like, let's make it theatric. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so my you question for you guys and you fall back down you come back up you're like that's that's quite the journey <laughs> so my question for you guys is what makes you feel grounded as enfps would you have to start with us not feeling grounded or just like what helps us to feel grounded <laughs> Seriously, like, probably the question. <laughs> what makes you guys feel like centered, whether it be spiritually, mentally, physically, like not scattered, the opposite of scattered? For me, it's it started with like I talked about the cleaning out things. Um, there's the my ISTJ mom. She always says like a cluttered room reflects a cluttered mind. And so for me, to I've had to simplify everything I've had to very consciously for years and I'm still working on it simplify my surroundings or else because it's so wild up here that if it's wild outside of me too it, it gets to me so if I can if I can get that in order then I can begin up here um and, and I'm still working on it but that helps a lot um yeah you'll definitely see a correlation between NPs and minimalism somewhere there yeah. Because like to, it's like the, because their mind is so active, it helps to have a more like minimal surrounding. I don't know. I, I No, I'm glad you was, mentioned that, Caitlin, because I've had a similar thing to myself. Like my parents aren't really that good with the, the cleaning necessarily, but mm -hmm. I always found that open spaces 
helps so much for some reason. Like when it's an empty space yeah. in the real world, I could fill it with any, even if it's not literal yeah. things I'm putting in there, it's the ideas I'm putting into the room that matters more to me. Okay, <laughs> I've never heard anyone say that out loud, but that is 100% a thing for me. Like literally last night, I was having like a very like serious conversation with my partner and I was like, I have to go in a bigger room to have the conversation because my yeah. thoughts are being like blocked by the walls. Like, like, I, there's something in my face, I don't like it. <laughs> like, yeah. get out. <laughs> you need physical space for your thoughts, which is so weird, but it's so true. I always yeah. like, do you guys imagine like your comfort place could, if you could visualize it to compare it to almost like a meadow, like an open meadow, that's just, you could see a river somewhere far away, the forest clearing type of thing. Cause that's kind of how I like to think about it. Like it just needs to be clear. I think I can like <laughs> get to center if I feel like everything looks like it's right. Like I think Kate would relate to that. Like I can have all kinds of stuff on my desk, but as long as it's back in the same spot that it's supposed to go, well, like, yeah, as long as it looks the same and I'm not like, what the hell's going on in here? I'm not distracted by the empty shower cook or whatever. Like, I don't want to be thrown off mental track when I'm on it. Because mm -hmm. I haven't sparred too. <laughs> it's not frequent. So I need to stay on track. I feel like centered is such an interesting word too, because it's like, and I feel like with every question, we're like, what does that mean? But like, <laughs> I feel, like, I feel like for a lot of people centered is like okay everything's kind of like calm but for me it's like I feel the most centered when everything's really like intense and maybe that's also related to my Enneagram type but it's like when I'm in like really intense situations I feel calm because I'm like okay I kind of know what's important like where I start going all crazy and oh, getting yeah, yeah. my SI you know is when I'm like ugh, I just don't really feel strongly pulled or drawn in any which way like I just kind of like certain things enough or like I like what I'm working on enough. That's when I go like the most crazy and get the most scattered. Um, but when I'm like really in something and it's really intense, like I always joke that like I'm only calm on a roller coaster. Like I love like I have a super high stimulation threshold. So it's like the more stimulated I am, the yep. calmer I am. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That's yeah, that's something uh, attributed to like perceivers in that they feel focused in chaos. So yeah, yeah. that's something we learn at Personality Hacker. My phone's gonna die, but bye. Oh no! Bye, bye Aish. Bye. We're losing them. Bye, oh, little one. <laughs> I feel like Joyce, we should actually we should also be conscious of your time because I feel like as the only J in the room, your FE makes. <laughs> Up if you're running out of time, but I, I just want to see how you're doing on time. I'm good on time. <laughs> it's like, do we have you at gunpoint? Like, what's that? Like, <laughs> over there, like, shouting, guys, time is up the whole time, and we might not be noticing because there's like five of us talking at once. <laughs> I, I feel like it's really good conversation, so I was wondering if I could steer this in cool, cool ways. <laughs> so, yeah, any other questions you like to ask ENFPs? Well, I did want to say like the, what Heidi mentioned about the whole being in high stimulus environments. Like I'm here for that, by the way, all about that life. Because I remember talking to, to ESCP Daniel, like Susan's husband. Um, he said he's like into the busy city life. Like put me there. That's when he starts to think. I mean, as an ESTP, it just makes sense. But I'm like, that also applies to NE because I need to be in a place where there's talking, even if it's background, I'm okay with that. Because mm -hmm. I, I, even when I'm driving, like when I, whenever I drive, I like to keep all the windows down because I think it's too confining for me. I want it to be open. I want to feel the wind. But at the same time, I also want to hear 
like I just want to have things happening around me because if nothing is going on, it the silence is deafening. If that makes sense, like it yeah. really does make me uncomfortable. Um, I suffer, or I used to suffer. Maybe every now and then I'll get it, like sleep paralysis, and it happens when it's like super, super quiet in the in the room. So usually, what I do is I would have something on, like I'd have music playing or something. Although there was this one time where I had ASMR going on, which is great, but then the ASMR person on the on the in my ear was like, "Now let's switch to white noise," and I went full paralyzed. <laughs> I couldn't move. And I'm like, no, I need to reach and turn it off. It's not, no. It was very, uh, a strange experience. I was like, then realized that, yeah, we're not doing that anymore, but we're going, I like the background ambiance, something going on because I can't I, have this. Just, no. <laughs> I agree. Like, have you ever seen those isolation tanks, you know, where the people are like floating? I do want to try it though. Like yeah. as much as I know if I no. say what I said, I kind of want to try because it looks fun. <laughs> oh, I, it, it looks like my worst nightmare. So yeah. I'm like, that's the worst thing I can possibly think of. Well, I don't know. I feel like my worst one for me, my nightmare is to be a, a participant in that Love is Blind reality show. I feel like that's my personal sense of hell. Because I don't want to, I don't need that in my life. <laughs> I guess Have you seen question... that show? That show is wild. <laughs> <laughs> very wild so my question for you guys is what is your personal hell what is the most confining circumstance you could imagine for yourself i mean that show itself was definitely i found out about it i was like that is my personal hell you are expected for two weeks to get to know somebody in a span of 10 people right in a rolodex of speed dates and you're supposed to get married to them at the end they just traumatized by this. <laughs> you get married, married to them at the end. And it gets me this. It's great. But the thing is, is what doesn't make sense to me is you, that's not enough time. Well, maybe sometimes it is enough time, but it's a speed date. What if I didn't drive it? Anyways, I there was one character in that entire show. He didn't make it because he matched, but they didn't go through. But his persona throughout the entire time, he kind of gave up speed dating. He started coaching the other guys on how to deal with their feelings as they talk, after they have conversation, before they talk to their, to their blind dates. And I'm laughing because that's, I see myself as that person so much where I'm like, so, so Hannah did what to you? That, what did she say? Okay, so this is what you're gonna do now. So what are you feeling? Are you gonna decide upon these? Like I wanna I end up coaching them. I don't even care about who I'm meeting at that point. We're just <laughs> gonna have to, let's direct and help them find their happiness. Cause I, I don't want to deal with this, like whatever this is. <laughs> so that would be a personal hell for me. Getting married yeah. in two weeks? No way. It's like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm here for, like, as an SP7, I'm here for the loyalty and the commitment, but it's just like, I there needs to be a planned process. Like, I need to strategize this. None of this, oh, let's go on a TV show and potentially be fine one. I'm like, nope, nope. We're not I doing think, that. <laughs> I think, um, uh, I would not like that either. I would not like. That. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, for going on Love Is Blind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like watching them and making fun of it, and I enjoy it for that. But yeah, yeah. No. But I, I think that's probably the first thing that pops in my head. It's probably pretty stereotypical ENFP, but um, there was a place that I thought would be really cool to work um, because I liked a product that they had. But when I went to the company for a meeting for something, they were all wearing suits and heels and all kinds of stuff. And it did not seem like, I, I expected them to be kind of like fun and cool and quirky. And it was the exact opposite. Uh, and yeah. it felt kind of sterile. And I just thought, nope. Because I can't, I think 
growing up in the in the home that I did, I, I'm grateful for this. I learned how to operate in a world that is more geared toward like an SJ, STJ kind of um, way of operating. So I think that sometimes I can present that way, but it's not how I feel inside. So I might like end up finding myself working somewhere like that because I somehow sneak through the door, but then I would get there and be miserable. Well, All right. Heidi, our last conversation with Susan, you talked to her called it blending. Like we have a thing. Like we do it. <laughs> I think it's a uh, personality hackers term for uh, Is it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, hiding in plain sight. Yeah. Interior no, it's blending. so real though. I feel the same way because it's like I was raised with SJs and it's like um, you learn to like speak the language. So it's like you get very fluent in it, but then it's mm -hmm. like, there's confines on how much you can actually express yourself in those environments. Maybe, or maybe there's not, right? Some people are better at it and just being like, oh, I'm just going to be me anyways. But it's like, I feel like when you grow up in that environment, your natural desire is to adapt because that was kind of like a survival strategy. Like that sounds very dramatic, but you know. It is, but it's true. It's true. <laughs> yeah. I hate, um, that's interesting. Cause it's like, yeah, I hate, this is my worst nightmare, but it's like, I really hate selling myself kind of for similar reasons. Cause I feel like I have to like package myself and like, I just, I hate that. So anything where it's like, I have to be even a little tiny bit inauthentic, just like destroys my spirit and soul. So it's like, I literally like, I hope none of my clients are watching this, but it's like before anyone <laughs> listens to me, like I tell them like I have an agent and then I just put my girlfriend who's an Enneagram three on the phone with them. And she like pitches me for me. Cause I'm like, I just don't like to do it. Like, I just hate any situation where I, I have to in any way filter myself. It's just hell. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if that's the worst thing I can imagine, but it's pretty bad. It's it's the worst like thing I that might struggle. happen to me. No, I agree. <laughs> yeah. I remember I struggled initially in like job interviews when I first started looking for jobs. Like when you just fresh out of high school and let's say you're looking for your first job. And then my mom who has a three fix and she's like, oh, you know, just sell yourself. Easy. I'm like, easy what do you mean it's easy and they're like tell me about yourself i'm like do you have time like it's always like where's the line like do i bring you a book do you want a powerpoint do you want a presentation like what is what is happening here but yeah no it's absolutely i agree it is definitely hard i have a three fix but i still struggle with it i don't think even if you have like that fix i feel like it's still difficult regardless yeah. I have a three weeks too. Like, yeah. and, it, and it's like, it feels like that should be easier. It, it's but, still no. Yeah. yeah it's, no, it's difficult <laughs> for ENFPs to do things that are inauthentic, even a smidge. And it's also like yeah. the charging money aspect for some ENFPs. <laughs> like I was talking to Joel Marquit and um, he doesn't like, like, like he feels kind of like eh about charging like money for products. Um, and so does my ENFP best friend. She's like, it's so hard to figure out how to price things because this, like, it's hard to ask for money. Cause like it, her mentality is that like, if I liked doing it, if I liked painting it for you, then that's like payment enough for me. Like, you don't have to pay me. You can just have this painting. Um, and so I've had to like, um, go like help her with that. Like I, I am her agent. Like you know, you have Heidi. You have your type three ISFP. I help her with promoting herself because she hates promoting herself. <laughs> I struggle. I struggle a lot with. Um, it's like anything. I can pump other people up to see the value in what they're offering and why it's totally legit that they're asking for that. But when it comes to myself, I, I think it comes to a real fear of. Um, uh, I guess it could fall under imposter syndrome. It's a fear of disappointing people. Like I worry 
did I sell it like I'm an STJ and you're going to get in and work with me and realize that's not what this is. So I, I, I leave a lot of opportunities open to like get to know me a little bit up front so that they know what they're getting into and that that is what they're choosing to, to do. Probably because I'm just used to feeling like maybe my way is the way most people would want to choose to do this stuff. But, and I know that's, I know it's valuable and I believe in it and I would do it. And because it's enjoyable, I think maybe, I don't know about you guys, but for me, somewhere along the way, I think sometimes we get the idea that if work is fun, then it's not work and you shouldn't get paid for it. <laughs> like it just, there's something that feels off about it. Like I was just used to that work didn't feel fun to me most of the time. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think it's, so then it's hard to put a price on that when you feel like I don't, I don't feel put out by doing it. So yeah, I absolutely agree. And something my ENFP also struggles with is like the concept of professionalism. It's like it's weird human made concept that you have to be in a suit and tie and that you have to do things in like an like a proper way. And she's like, what's the meaning for that? Like it's it's kind of pointless. And I think it's an ENFP thing maybe because Joel Markowitz, um, he went to a convention before and he didn't have business cards um and so they asked for it and he didn't have it and I was like my my best friend would do that too because like she doesn't really care about professionalism but it's also like a construct made by human beings so it's not not something that comes naturally <laughs> but on the topic of business cards I just found out have you guys heard of seed paper mm-hmm you know, it's awesome. Yeah, you can make a business card made out of seed, like what's basically made out of seeds. You can plant it and you can get vegetables out of it. So be like, if you're done using my number, put it in the soil, put some water in it, and you'll get some veggies. That like, that's a thing. Cool. It's a thing. <laughs> Imagine marketing yourself as a green friendly person. Obviously, you'd give them seed paper. One buck, I think it's like a dollar forty, like a, a a card, that's like what, $55, you know, for 50 cards. Not like you're gonna use all of them. Here, plant, have a carrot. Like literally, just call it out. Have a carrot, have a flower, have something. That's such an example of the ENFP make, doing a twist. Like, yeah, we're like, I'm not I'm not here for this corporate life. I got something up your sleeve. <laughs> like what you said before, I really, really resonated with just along the lines of like, you want people to know what they're getting into and then be like, if you if you see what I'm offering you and you like it, then I want you to have it. But like, I don't want to convince. And, and my publishing house used to get really mad at me with my books because I would not sell my books. Like people would be like, oh, you know, I'm not fully sold. Like convince me. And I'd be like, I'm not going to. I don't think you should spend money on this if it's not going to help you. Like, yes. I, so it's like I have issues with that, which I think are good issues to have. Like, I don't I'm not trying to get away from those issues. It's just like I have absolutely no desire to ever exchange work for money unless it's like like I'll do it for clients whatever but it's like with my own stuff it's like if I don't think this is actually going to really really help someone like I don't want to take their money like no. I'm very morally opposed to that in fact so it's like I'll never try to convince someone to work with me like I'm like if you don't want to work with me like I I highly highly recommend you do not <laughs> I, I totally understand like like for me with doing coaching stuff a lot of times you'll hear a lot of advice about sending tons of emails to market yourself. And I've told my husband, I was like, listen, I bet if I did that, I'd get a lot more money and a lot more clients, but I'm not willing to bother people in exchange <laughs> for money. Like, I don't want to do that. I, I don't like, if I might annoy a thousand, but one will be my client to me, that was not worth it. Like, I don't want to do it. Um, but, but you know, everybody has mouths to feed and whatnot. So everyone should do what they need to, to do it. But it's just, it's hard for me to wrap my head around, uh, the weighing out what you what to do or not do you find that you guys get that we get more effective at selling because we're not into that weird bs 
that we're being taught about it because I feel like with myself yeah. since I've been in sales positions and they're always telling me like do you like to oversell and I say no I'm not an oversell I don't want to lie to a client about something and also if I don't fully believe in the product I'm doing I'm not I'm telling you I don't fully believe in it <laughs> like I'm full on telling you that this is only going to last you maybe two hours not three but that's if that's what you want here's that's the price you get so in a way like people actually for me at least were buying from me more than the guy trying really hard to sell so much because I just give it to them real I'm like right. let me tell you something if you get this but you return it you'll get this more and that's the tea but if you try to like just do this that'll be it's basically you're you're losing money not me I don't care about you but this product could right. you know like yeah. I kind of I like word it in a way because I can't like, like you guys said it's almost like a morally hurting thing to like go out there and be like no it's gonna help fix your world i'm like no it's not let's be yeah. honest it's not gonna fix yeah. your world <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, okay. and yeah it's like awkward to put emotional pressure on people um yeah because it's like manipulative almost yeah yeah I, yeah i was gonna say it's, it's all about relationship too so it's like maybe today you'd make 15 more dollars off this person but they're really uncomfortable and never gonna get never gonna come back but if yeah. you if you just are real with them, maybe they come back for years and spend more and more money. So it's really because the investment, that way. right? You're looking at it as a as an from the ethical from the feely perspective. I mean, maybe that's why it makes us feelers. I don't know, like because we're looking at it from that versus a person who might look at it as well, it's just a paycheck. Yeah, like it's just a paycheck. And I'm like, well, the paycheck to me does matters less. Like yeah. if I. The, I want that person to leave with a smile on their face, not because I lied to them. You know, yeah, your experience of enjoying life is way more important than how much money. Yeah, yes! <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but is that yeah. grade six? I don't know. It's like probably grade six philosophy. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> just like we don't need no money. Like not that. <laughs> you know, I think it's just like an intelligent person's philosophy. Like even like yeah. right now, because I'm going through like a particularly douchey phase of my life. I'm reading the Four Hour Work Week, and like Tim Harris, who I think is probably like a, or Ferris, whatever, an ENTP. He talks about like, the goal isn't to make a bunch of money, it's to like live a happy life. So it's it's like, if you're just gunning for more and more money, but you don't actually know why you want it or what makes you happy, like you're just gonna end up equally as unhappy. And I think that's something that like FI kind of naturally knows, but other people have to arrive at that conclusion. But it's like, just being very aware of like, I'm really happy in these situations and really unhappy in these situations is something that ENFPs have kind of had to deal with young because a lot of things that make other people happy don't make us happy. So we've had to learn to like- That's so true. That, that is so right. That like, is so, fun? so right. And you're like, no, no, yeah. it's not that fun. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it's okay, like, if it's fun for you, go ahead, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What normally appeals to other people, like the ENFP sometimes like isn't that like, um, appeal to their taste. It, it's yeah, I've noticed that too. Um, another thing I've noticed about ENFPs is that with the SI, I notice that sometimes it can be kind of um, like it can be kind of like mundane and not that interesting. So sometimes I notice that ENFPs make assumptions about the S so they can get to the N quickly. Um, I know this is really abstract and it might be hard to connect because I don't have an example right now. But it's like um, for ex for example. Um, for this panel, I've noticed, um, so I've done a few panels so far, and I noticed that what was different from the ENFP group than the other groups is no one asked me how long the panel was going to be. And I realized that with ENFPs, because the sensory is so boring to them, they just assume the length so that they don't ask me. <laughs> but um, like for the other people, I, I've had like questions about it. And I was like, interesting. It reminds me of a pattern I see with 
in our piece. I don't know if Heidi or Caitlin, if you guys figured this, like, did it your own, like, FI before coming to the panel? Because, like, I gave myself, I'm like, well, if it's starting, because right now it's because I'm Pacific time. I don't know, Caitlin, same time, Pacific yeah. time. Like, I was thinking, like, what, that's going to be 3 p.m. If this was three or four hours, maybe 7 p.m. Like, I'm good for a time. Like, I did my math prior. So I didn't, but I didn't want to tell anybody that because to me it was like, well, that's just my little homework I did to myself, but I'm okay. So I can engage in the moment way more focused rather than thinking that I have something going on in the background. I don't yeah. know if you guys have done something similar where so that we don't have to feel pressure or that we feel that we can't be comfortable in ourselves at a panel because we have already done the math in our head, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's the any pattern finding too. Uh, I'm well, sort of sorry, like, Joyce, if we didn't tell you, but we, <laughs> we were out, we're, we're prepared, I think. <laughs> well, half of you guys were. <laughs> As you can see, we're down to three. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think like with extroverted intuition, uh, how Denzel puts it that I really agree with is it gets the gist of a room. And then it gets the gist of the other room and the gist of the other room, the gist of the other room. And then you have the idea of the house. So I feel like that specific scenario, it might not apply for all ENFPs, but what I was trying to illustrate was that I, I see them, what they do is they'll assume a certain characteristic about it because they've gotten the gist of all these rooms. So then they're able to make a leap of faith and to say the statement that they say. But I realized that why it catches people off guard is because people's brains operate differently too. Because um, so the ENFP is good at getting the gist of really large concepts really quickly. And I realized that people like the ENFP goes from one to a hundred really quick because they're able to get the gist and size up the house really quick. But other people, their mind doesn't work like that because they don't have extroverted intuition. So they're stuck like that room. And then they're like, whoa, that, we're at the house now? <laughs> like, what is this? And then so a lot of people get startled but it's not because the ENFP is doing anything weird in their point of view because it's they naturally see the house like instantly after sizing up all the rooms but other people are kind of stuck still understanding the room mm. um <laughs> well, it's like yeah I think for for people to have gotten to where we got like to have the gist they would have to have all the information before they felt confident enough to say and half the time we are like talking out of our asses so like that's worth acknowledging but it's like <laughs> a lot of the time we can say something where we're like I understand enough to make this point but other people wouldn't say that with the same degree of confidence we say it until they truly have all of that information so they assume we have it <laughs> and it's like we don't always have it but we understand enough to kind of make some generalities about things do you find that like as the conversation goes is also part of how we take in the information also so I mean not know everything about the subject but because we've opened that kind of can now and we have that topic now I'm also learning as we talk. So that kind of fits in the gaps that I didn't have when I didn't do, let's say, all the research prior to coming in. Like there are times when like I needed to interact with a person first in order to get more information. I wouldn't have if I, I don't know, like I just don't have, I, I mean, just with myself, I don't really have the patience to sit and necessarily read everything. Um, I would read the gist, but mm -hmm. I'm also going to, I need a human being to talk to because I need to have that back and forth. So yeah. I can fill in the rest that I usually have because I, yeah. or the gaps that I probably, the holes in the information. I don't know if that's similar to you guys, like the I, interaction comes in handy. I find that when I'm talking about something like, um, I was discussing a big topic with somebody the other day where they were like, well, what's the proof of X, Y, Z? And I said, I know that the conclusion is true because I've 
already researched this topic before in the past, but if you're looking for exact data and exact facts, I cannot give those to you right now, but I know that they exist because I know that that's how I came to my conclusion. So I have the overall yeah. conclusion. <laughs> yeah. I, so I told somebody, let me come back to you and gather some resources and some data and facts that you're looking for if you don't want to take my word for the overall like end product. <laughs> so that's kind of how it works for me. I'm so bad for being like, yeah, there's a study I ran. People are like, oh, can you link the study? I'm like, I really cannot. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> that, but I promise you I read it and it exists. That is so exactly. true. <laughs> that is, that's so true. Exactly. And I don't, I typically, I, I don't come to, like, I know that I analyze things so much that if I had come to that conclusion, there was a very good reason. And I did look at the data at the time, but I did not care to, like, like, it's like learning history when you're a kid in school and it's all dates and names and facts. And it's like, I understand that this side did that and they did this and then this sort of happened. But if you're going to ask me what date they did it and who did it and whatever, I'm not going to be able to tell you that. But I know that that information exists and I can find it for you. But that's not what's up here. Yeah. It's like you have like an index, but like without any page numbers. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> an index with no page numbers. Yes. That's yeah. lovely. <laughs> <laughs> It's rough, so, but it's true. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much, guys, for coming on and being your lovely selves and telling us about your ENFP lives and, you know, correcting misconceptions and stereotypes and just being so lovely as human beings. <laughs> and I appreciate your all's authenticity, your ability to um, know yourselves so well and present it to people so then they can learn and benefit and grow from it. Thank you for showing like the intellectual side of ENFPs. You all are so smart and brilliant and full of <laughs> like, I know sometimes you, like you said, you say things out of your ass, but it's also like brilliant, brilliant things out of your ass. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, brilliant thanks. turds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what yeah. ENFP calls it, um, brain vomit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, but I feel yeah. like it's brilliant. So even if it's it's average to you, so you consider it vomit. But wow. I consider it um, sheer sheer absolute brilliance. <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah, thank you so much for your time. And it warms my heart. Um, and I am just so glad to have a conversation with y'all. And if you guys want to check them out, I have them all linked down below. Um, I've bought all of Heidi's products before because she is exceptionally knowledgeable and type. <laughs> and it, it's just worth it. Like if it's made by her, it's worth it. So She's not self-promoting herself, but I'm promoting her. Yeah. And Nate has a podcast, and I'll let I thought we were just going to focus on Heidi. I was going to be like, let her have it. I'm okay. <laughs> it's like, no, it's turning gotta, to me now. It's like, we got to no. highlight our ENFP creators. And if you want to see, like, pure any Unleashed, like, go check out Nate's podcast. You'll well, really discover the rabbit hole he goes. Well, here's, I just want to say, like, a quick little thing. We've transitioned from just me. <laughs> um to i partnered up with an entp jc she's an enneagram three which by the way nods to ENT enneagram threes by the way there is a work ethic that is unreal with these people <laughs> mm -hmm. right like, like dating one i'm like i don't understand how you do what you do it's, it's, 24 it's, hours a day <laughs> she's this, the one i know she's taking she's taking classes and she's taking a summer class and she's working and she's tutoring and it's like money 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 and i'm working and this is living it anyways 
Studio 37, that's where the NE has become unleashed now, two NE DOMs. And you could tell like, her TI and my FI is just going like world like, all <laughs> over the place. But that's the one. <laughs> I need to add her in it so I don't feel like super like it's all me. It's not all me anymore. It's just it's half. I'm half of one now. <laughs> For sure. It's he's half of one. <laughs> so you can totally check out the full him yeah. in Studio 3 <laughs> And then we have Caitlin, she is really going to produce some really great content soon. She already has a website um, and she's a coach and she's certified in Shrinks Finder, which is very, very interesting. Um, and she's going to start like a podcast soon too. So check her out. Uh, I'll have her linked below also. And thank you guys um, for being so energetic and lively and brightening up my and surviving day. this long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For making us an episode of Survivor, like tribe was spoken, like one person's off. <laughs> going, <laughs> like, oh no. <laughs> and and thank you, listeners, for tuning in this long. You have the attention span um, that is really like fascinating. Like, give me some of that. Like, wow, two hours. <laughs> you you have. A high tolerance threshold. So good job. This delivery. This is like <laughs> golden. And, yeah. So I hope you all have a good one. And bye, guys. I'll see you. Bye. 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 Thank you. <laughs> I love you all. Love you too. Mm-hmm.